Welcome everybody. Today is the 4th of December and we are reaching our 10th episode. Wow, it's like a big occasion and stuff. That's amazing. Yes, yes. Ye of little faith. We didn't think we'd reach this far. Anyways, <laughs> today I have with me Franklin and uh, Tyson Ibel. And today we'll talk about various things such as Flowline, some movies like the some movies like Aeon Flux, which Tyson saw in the trailers of Dungeon Siege and Cars, and the very funny Dead or Alive, even though it was inten not intentionally funny. Also, talk a little bit about compositing and some other stuff at the end of the show, plus I'll give the forecast for CG cast. Okay, so um, have you guys seen the demo for Flowline? I have. And what's, what do you think about it compared to real flow? Well... I mean, I don't want to shoot down real flow, but there's absolutely no comparison. Um, just the amount of detail they were able to get in the, the particle, like the, like I'm not quite sure how it works. I'm assuming it uses a similar method, you know, calculates uh, specific positions for different particles and then, you know, uses those to create a, you know, some kind of subdivision mesh. But, um, but like just the, you know, the quality of the, that demo video, a couple of shots on there, not all of them were amazing, but um, the ones that stick out in my mind was that, that dirty water kind of going down the alleyway. I don't know if you, it was kind of like reddish water and there's like some higher depth of field or like small, small depth of field. And, uh, that just looks super real. That just, that was totally, I've never seen any, uh, fluid that looked that cool. Yeah, and, um, there's also the, like a, like a rolling wave shot. That, that one was pretty amazing. Some of the underwater shots with the bubbles and whatnot. I mean... Real flow can do a lot, and um, you know it's great. It's better than like I use three Studio Max, and it's you know much better than the uh, the particle solutions for yeah. for Max. But uh, just seeing what Flowline can do, and you know knowing the past work of Scanline, they're an insanely good company. Um, high high caliber stuff for sure. I can like there's just no comparison at all. What well, like a thousand times yeah. better. What other programs have Scanline made? Um, I'm not sure if they made any other programs, but they've done some, uh, visual effects sequences. They had that, uh, what was it, the dam breaking apart, they had the airplane crash. They've done some really cool stuff, and I know they've been actually, uh, like, they like to concentrate on these, like, physics simulations. Okay. And, uh, I, I think, uh, CG Talk just did a little feature on, uh, fire, or maybe it wasn't CG Talk. Anyways, like, you know, CG liquids and fire and, uh, y you know, the future of it. And I know Flowline, or not Flowline, but Scanline was, like, you know, the company that they kind of interviewed there. And um, so I know they've been, I, I knew they had been researching this for a while. But uh, I hadn't, until I saw that demo video, I hadn't actually seen the full power. I had just seen some, some still images, but seeing the actual animations in action just totally, you know, rekindles my faith in that uh, not my faith I mean I always thought they were a cool company but my, my complete sense of awe in the work that they can do so it's very you know refreshing to see that even you know all these with Maxwell Renderer and all these other you know ultra realistic um, solutions that a lot of packages have adapted for getting results uh, a company like Scanline can still come up with something that's totally fresh and new and mind blowing very okay. impressive stuff. I wonder how long it would take to calculate things like that. Yeah, that's the, that's the one thing that kind of uh, a little disappointed. I didn't give too many details about, uh, you know, render times or 
calculation times. So well, I can yeah. imagine it. I can imagine it's you know not something you can run on your you know 286, but uh, I know they've done they've done stuff for a few different uh, films, so it can't be anything too ridiculous because it has been used in a pipeline, obviously. Maybe in the future it will be compatible with the future uh, physics pro physics processing units make. Uh, who knows? I mean, you know, ten years from now, maybe. I don't see physics processing units becoming that advanced anytime soon. Well, it would it would lessen or, the burden because there. I think they should be coming out by next year because the Nintendo Revolution is supposed to have one. So that means they're pretty far ahead. Well, these are remember these are film quality effects and simulations, and there's a huge difference between film quality and game quality, even though, you know, games are getting pretty intense, yeah. the difference is absolutely massive, so, you know, something that... Yeah, I'm not saying that the PPU will do it in real time, but it should, like, lessen the burden a lot. Yeah, that's true. Because if the... Well, I mean, you're... I'm not, I'm not too familiar with how physics actually work when it comes to, like, you know, CPU and whatever, but if the physics processing unit isn't doing it in real time, then it's just doing the exact same job that a CPU would be doing. Yeah, so. but in less time. That's the point to save a lot of time on the processing. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not educated on the subject, so I'll just refrain from commenting. That's alright. But Further. it could be good also. There's people like, out there who are probably cringing, knowing that I'm totally wrong. <laughs> yeah, could also be good for doing some real-time previews to to make sure that the water's going the right way or something like that. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see the uh, the workflow. Yeah. For uh, for the program, um, do you know? It, it, yeah, Franklin. The, that would that would work like something like a second pass. Like the first go, you have a really rough look of how it's gonna look in the end, and then it refines that. That'd be pretty cool. Like a blobby water. <laughs> I wonder what they do for the bubbles. If it's part of the simulation or if it's just extra particle effects. Yeah, that's, they added. that's one thing that like was extremely cool. Is one thing that I noticed that. Um, is lacking from up until now from basically every single fluid simulator out there is bubbles that happen, you know, when water churns and whatnot. And, uh, you know, you always get these wonderful, you know, surface liquid sims, but when you look at, you know, a cross-section of the uh, simulation, you never get any of those bubbles or those kind of swirly vortex-type effects. And... Um, Bullmine definitely has those going on, and you could see in the uh, the shark the shark videos. So that was a very cool feature. Yeah, but I wonder definitely if like you know what's holding them above the competition by a long shot already. So. But I wonder if it's actually part of it, or if they just added particle effects for that after. Uh, well, yeah. either way, <laughs> it looks it looks super cool. Okay. It, it could be a separate simulation for sure. Who knows? But uh. We'll see. We'll see when it yeah, we can't yeah, really tell for I mean, sure right now. It doesn't really matter as long as you can get the job done, right? Even if there was 200 simulations involved for each of those shots. And if the simulations still looks ultra fast. real. And, uh, and like I said, because all those shark shots are actually part of some kind of dinosaur or Documentary. prehistoric film or whatever. I, I hadn't read too much about it, but so which means that it has been used in a pipeline. So that um, so the chances of it being pretty. Yeah, simple but enough to, to use in a production are, are good. So, the, you know, even though there might be, you know, a, a dozen simulations for each uh, each element, it's still usable in a, in a production, So, which is good news. Because I know there have been a lot of 
just in my own research, I've come across a lot of, you know, university, you know, students at different universities who are doing, you know, like uh, their, uh, what do you call that, their degrees or whatever on, you know, on physics simulations and CG, and a lot of it looks fantastic, but it's just not usable in, a, in an actual production because they're concentrating more on the, uh, the raw, you know, science behind it rather than uh, practicalities, so hey, very cool. Speaking of the PPUs, I just remembered that um, those guys at, uh, I forgot the name of the company that makes it, they said they'll be able to get real-time, simple fluid dynamics by the second generation, and maybe advanced fluid dynamics by the third generation of the card. Yeah, I've, I've uh, heard of some stuff like that. So that'd be cool in games. Imagine seeing those simulation in games in like 10 years' time. Yeah, that is that is very cool. That'd be awesome. Or even like uh, another thing is like hair simulation and all that. Hair simulation. It all kind of goes together. They kind of started that the hair simulation. Yeah. In black you and already white have too. like cloth and hair simulations. So oh, do you? Yeah, like not in black all and white too. The game. Yeah, but it's nothing that spectacular. Yeah, right. but still it's cool. I mean. Yeah, it gets it gets the job done. There you go. All right, let's move on to some movies. Uh, Tyson, I heard that you, you saw A in Flux. I did. I went to the premiere last night. What did you think about it? 10 o'clock after work. Um, well, I didn't really have any expectations going in. Um, I had seen one episode of a cartoon once, just like on a fluke. I don't even, I forget how, I think it was on TV just randomly or something. And uh, it, was, it was pretty quirky. It was kind of interesting but it didn't it wasn't like you know my style or anything so I never really followed it and I'd never read the comics or anything so um, going into this movie I didn't really have any background information on any of the characters or storylines so that was kind of good I guess it was all new to me I can't really come out and say you know oh it didn't follow the comic book or you know they you know the cartoon was so much better because you know I wasn't really familiar with both but just to like you know Cole's nose version of my review I'd give it about a six was that ten. There was some. I made a post on CG Talk and just mentioned that there were some cool effects. You know, some uh, uh, a couple of them are shown in the trailer. Like she's got all those little, uh, she's, you know, locked in her cell, and she's got all these little balls that, you know, when she whistles, they come and come and save her. And that was kind of a nifty idea that you know she's got these little helpers. But and you know just the just the uh, the fact that they were all CG and they were uh, they looked pretty believable. Even though they were just little spheres, <laughs> they were comped in. They were comped in pretty well, but you know, um, there's some other cool facts. Uh, the cities look pretty neat uh, when they showed long shots, or you know, she's she does some uh, some big stunts. But besides, you know, the uh, the pretty the typecast effects for a movie like this, there was nothing really insane about it or great about it. I mean, you know, it's pretty predictable. Uh, Obviously, like I mean, I didn't predict the actual storyline, but you can sometimes you go to a movie and you can just predict things like you know near the end of the movie they're gonna you know have a plot twist and this character is <laughs> probably gonna die and whatnot. And I found that you know through through the most of the movie I was able to kind of guess at a lot of those things. So, you know, you know that the original the original creator he wanted the feature film to be an animation and not live action. Yeah, I can imagine that. Um, one thing that you know. The, I think the con in the comic book at least or the the animation um, the character was always like this extremely skinny like really weird looking girl and uh, 
I found the Charlie Theron. I think that's who played it, right? I don't yeah. Know. Charlie. I found that she just kind of looked kind of. I don't know. I'm just not a big fan of that whole mean girl look. And in the comic books, it was more like this weird, almost like creature. And in the movie, it was more like, oh, Charlene, Charlie Theron is, you know, out to kill everyone <laughs> in her cool-looking costume and her huge guns. And it was just, I don't know, it's just a little cheesy. It was like Charlie's Angels with only one angel. Yeah. Uh. So, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's no Oscar material, but you know it's a it's like a rental, I guess. Yeah. Uh, this guy, Andy Grisdale, uh, AndyGrisdale.com, he made a a little short about Aeon Flux in complete 3D. It's a bit yeah, interesting. It's cool. That's I pretty find... cool. You want to spell that um, website out so people uh, can see it? A N D Y G R I S D A L E dot com. There you go. You'll be able to see a little short. Anyways, yeah, apparently it was made for like, um, like a video game, right? It was, they what? were trying to, uh, <clears throat> they were trying to pitch a video game, and that's why they made that. I think so. I'm not that's, sure. That's what I think I read on his site. Anyways, that's, that was a pretty cool animation. There was some, <laughs> some of the shots in that animation, like you know, the explosion. A, a single shot in that animation made out was like better than the entire movie last night. Uh, <laughs> damn. Nothing too mind blowing in the animation. Just some really cool uh, camera angles and stuff uh, that she does running around. But the animation, his animation, the effect when the girl is falling with the hair flowing up, that's so cool. That was pretty cool. Yeah. That was amazing. I like when uh, I'm always a big fan of like you know like the one shot where she's flying through the air and she's she whips out her binoculars or she's flying at like you know a thousand feet a second and then she goes from like you know free falling to like totally controlled. You know, gunslinging, whipping around in the air. I thought that was very cool. Yeah. Following where she's totally like surfing through the air. Stuff I mean, I, like to see. I hope they remake Ian Fox, but in 3D in the style that Andy did. That would be so cool. Um, I don't know. I think you know, like Andy's animation was really cool, but I, I think it's more of like a what's the word for it? Just more of like a, something that you only want to see once and for a short amount of time. Like it was very cool for what it was, obviously, and I enjoyed it a lot, but. Having it be, you know, like an hour and a half would be a little much, you know. Well, if he develops, if there's a better story developed, then... Like... Well, I, I don't even just mean story. I just mean, like, the look of it, you know. Yeah. Like, 3 D's good for something like that, for, like, a short cinematic or whatever, but for a full movie, a lot of the times when you're going for realistic-looking CG, it just doesn't work. That's... And because his wasn't really stylized, it was, you know, the proportions were all relatively correct and everything kind of was going for a realistic feel. I'm not sure... They should do it. They should do it stylized, kind of the style of the comic. And that's what was kind of that's what was kind of lacking from the movie, I think. The style is, uh, you know, from the little bit of the comic or the the animated series that I saw, it was very weird and stylized and very um. Well, yeah, it was definitely. I can't really think of a an analogous show or cartoon, but very original and it's just the look of it. Like especially, like I said, the just the girl. She looks so like gawky and scrawny and it just didn't translate very well to the movie I don't think and a lot of that you know just has to do with her character she's like this assassin who you know her whole life is based around killing killing so she doesn't really I mean from what I gather her appearances besides the fact that she tends to wear very skimpy clothing her appearances aren't really a concern at all because you know her whole basis is just to kill these bad guys mm -hmm. so and yet in the movie you know Charlize was like this you know Incredibly good-looking, best-dressed killer. Scars, just like, uh, yeah, exactly, and you know, like perfect proportions. You know, a lot of people would consider her to be good-looking and whatnot. So 
Oh, whatever. It's just it was just more like a, a cheesy movie, but whatever. Speaking of cheesy movies, have you seen the trailer for Dungeon Siege? I have. Uh, that's <laughs> many have seen the trailer. Oh, Had a good laugh. Yui Ball has strike again. Yeah, and I mean it's almost like you know, you think at this point it just to, you know, say his movies aren't good would just be kind of, you know, following the bandwagon, like, you know, every time he comes out with a movie just having that preconception, but he has yet to redeem himself. So but I he, think it's he does it intentionally, that's the problem. Well yeah, I, I mean I know that, but I'm just saying like Sometimes, you know, every time he comes out with a movie, it's like, oh, Yui Bowl, you know, you hear all these complaints, and you almost want to say, well, you haven't seen it yet, you know, don't make fun of it yet, but it's you come know. to the point where, after seeing this trailer, I've just realized that I don't think the man is capable of making an entertaining movie. You know, we should so. screw him over by everybody watching the movies at the theater so he doesn't get the tax breaks. If the movie's <laughs> yeah. actually successful, yeah, he well, won't be able to do it anymore. Sadly, it doesn't work that way, because, like, I mean, it's kind of, if, you know... If the movie is successful, if it only makes, if he makes, if even if he makes one dollar profit, he loses. He loses all the tax breaks, so we just make him one dollar profit, and he loses um, all the millions he could make from the tax break. I'm not too familiar with his whole situation, but getting back to the point, to the uh, topic at hand, the Dungeon Seed trailer. Oh man, as I was mentioning before. A bit of Lord, of, actually a lot of Lord of the Rings, a bit of Power Rangers, <laughs> and you know, there's got to be something else that is you know similar to. But it was just like, oh my goodness, like come on, also, such a joke. I I feel sorry for the you know the the guy, the actors who are making the, the actors in movies like that. You know what I mean? Like people who, like a lot of them are probably unknowns beside Burt Reynolds, Reynolds and. Like, why would you want to? Why would you want to appear in a movie like that? It's just so like bad. Yui Ball has blackmail on them, but I really probably that's that's the only explanation that makes sense. I really feel sorry for the guy that the Bert, um, Brian Reynolds or I forgot his name. Bert, the, Bert Reynolds. No, no, the another guy, the guy who made Dungeon Siege. I really feel sorry. Oh, for the him. author. He had really yeah. high hopes for it, and Yui Ball got his hands on his baby, and uh, that must. That must really hurt. Yeah. Poor guy. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the trailer <laughs> speaks for itself. You got the, uh, it's, I mean, immediately, I wasn't really, I'm not really sure what Dungeon Siege even is. It's like a, if it's a role-playing game or whatever, but immediately with the, uh, the initial shot in the trailer with, you know, those four people trudging over the landscape as, you know, total Lord of the Rings hack. Yeah. It's like right away apparent what kind of the movie, what the movie's going to be. And then, of course, you cut to the, uh, the obligatory, you know, massive fight scenes with, with all these like, you know, orcs battling all these humans and pillaging their villages and whatever, and then you get to the, uh, of course, the romance scene, which you know, you know, the entire movie is gonna, the plot will be driven, the plot will be driven by the fact that either, you know, the main character has this, you know, flaw that he's in love with this girl and somehow, <laughs> you know, that's like his downfall, or the girl will have some kind of, you know. Information for him, and he's got to get it out of her, or vice versa. So that's kind of like the cheesy, obligatory love scene. They're just like, there's absolutely nothing. And plus, you know, the the poor acting. What does the one guy say? He's like, everyone's gonna die, and he's like, you know, contorting his head in this weird way. And it was, or we're gonna kill everyone, or whatever. And it was just like, oh man. Even the poster like, there's not looks one, bad. There's not one element in that movie that, or the trailer that, makes the movie look any bit original. And they have any ninjas. Bit good. <laughs> Yeah, the ninjas dropping down. I, that was a. 
I don't remember ninjas <laughs> in Dungeon Siege. No, or I, in the medieval times at all, you know. They I were, played you know, Dungeons, 4, ways of, I played Dungeon Siege and, 1. And it, like what? Okay, first of all, what was it like a computer game? Or? Yeah, it's a computer game. I played Dungeon okay. Siege One, and if I saw that movie, I would have never known that movie was for Dungeon Siege. Dungeon Siege is very generic itself. It's just basic fantasy farmer. His family okay. gets killed by these monsters, and he has to go and do something. I forgot what. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the the game didn't have much of a story, and I'm not sure where they got the story for the movie. That's the one thing, I mean, I do give them credit for finding enough material, apparently, to fill an hour and a half, because a lot of those storylines are, I mean, unless you're playing a game where you're involved in it, and, you know, the plot is based on decisions you make, a lot of those storylines are pretty, you know, linear and simple, you know, guy attacked by monsters as a child or something, you know, something taken from him, like a magic ring, and he has to, you know, he grows up and has to go find it, or some kind of dumb story like that, and there's so many fantasy movies out there, it's just like... In that in that genre, that you know Dungeons and Dragons or that you know medieval magic swords and sorcery genre, it's just like nothing original is going to come out of that anyways. And when you stick someone like Bowl on it, it's <laughs> like the originality is in the negatives. I mean, he just takes away from the whole genre. So uh, and movie, yes. the fact that movies like that are being made makes me angry. He also <laughs> like all had, that money could be spent on. He also has his people. hand on two other. There's two more movies we can expect from him. Blood Rain, which could make an interesting movie, but Yui uh, Ball has it, and Far Cry. <laughs> I like that uh, qualifier. It could be a good movie, but Yui Ball's got it. Yeah, it could be interesting. <laughs> and Far Cry. Far Cry is kind of sad to see that he has it. That's some interesting story there. Yeah, I, uh, I played a little bit of that game. It seemed pretty cool. Yeah, except those monsters at the end were too hard to kill. I, uh, I haven't played the whole thing, so I haven't gotten that far. But yeah. also, there's a another movie that's coming out that looks like it was made by Yui Ball, but surprisingly was not. Talking about the Dead or Alive trailer, <laughs> which is so many great trailers coming out lately. Ain't that alive? This Yui Ball movie. Yeah, that's I don't know. It's not the season. Hollywood is disappointing us now. I'm still waiting for Attack of the Killer Raisin Bread. That's I'm making. <laughs> that's that's what I'm waiting for. That that's what probably. I'm saving my money for. My theater, my theater ticket money. It'll probably put Yui Ball's movies to shame. Yeah, just the title puts his movies to shame. Race but um, no, the Dead or Alive trailer. Um, that's funny. There's a pretty that's big trailer run. See, we talk about that one actually. I played that game. I I what beat is... Dead or Alive two with all the characters, and I'm kind of disappointed that they did that horrible crap. The girls have swords, and they're all friends, and most of them are like enemies. Well, it, yeah, it seems to be like a ninja... Well, I mean, I guess there's ninjas and Charlie's angels anyways, but... I mean, <laughs> there doesn't seem to be any difference. You know, you have these four or five, or I didn't pay attention, girls, you know. They're, of course, untouchable because they have such amazing skills, and they're all fighting, you know, this infinitely huge army. And they're too and creepy. Yeah, and then, and then instead of, you know, fearing for their lives or getting ready to defend, you know, their territory, they're, you know, cracking jokes. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, I mean, like from a, like if it was a comedy or something, then, you know, haha, funny, whatever, but, like, to, you know, with the, mo with the movie like Dead Alive, where it's, you know, based on the whole plot is, it's is driven by violence or whatever, it's just like, and, you know, these, these campy jokes and whatnot, it's just like, oh, man, there's no way a movie like that could ever ever redeem itself or be enjoy be uh, 
be worth seeing. Kind of reminds me of Street Fighter, the movie. I never did see the Street Fighter movie. It's it's pretty bad, but um, <laughs> but if you've seen the anime movies, the anime movies are much better. They're more serious, more interesting, and more violent. Just, they're just much better to watch. The what do you mean, like, like anime and like period? Or yeah, they're an- the animated um, by Japanese um, Japanese companies made them, and they're much better. What? No, but what are you talking about? Mortal Kombat? Street Fighter. Or Street Fighter. Or Street Fighter oh, yeah, okay. They're much cooler. But they're pretty old. That's the thing. Are they? Yeah. Um, any more trailers? Uh, let's talk about a good one for now. Uh, there's yeah, some there's cars. some hope for... Oh, there's some... The the cars from Pixar. At first, I wasn't yeah. too excited about cars. The first trailer I saw didn't excite me. But the new one's making it look much better. Um, yeah, there's some there's some very cool stuff going on. They've got the, uh, well, first of all, like the, the photoreal environments, which is very, very cool to see. Uh, not that Pixar hasn't, you know, done similar things in the past. It's just, this is, you know, taking it to that next level. And yeah. you can just, <clears throat> just, the, just the interaction, too, you know, having these, I can just imagine kind of the cool sequences with these cars, you know, going down these, you know, tri- these uh, these roads off in the, you know, the desert or whatever, and just, I, I'm, I'm predicting that they're probably going to be real enough that you'll forget that the entire thing's CG and you'll see the car's eyes but you won't realize that everything is actually animated. Yeah, I hope I hope the story doesn't suck. But I heard that Pixar like wasn't putting as much effort as they normally did because this is like probably their last movie with Disney or something. Right. But I'm but I'm surprised it's looking pretty good. I didn't have my hopes high for cars but And I thought a lot of people were kind of complaining about that that kind of hillbilly car character, but I thought it was, I think he's pretty funny looking, and I like his voice, so, I definitely, uh, I, I yet to have anything, well, I've yet, how, how do I word something like that, I've yet to see anything worth complaining about, so, yeah, me too. definitely my hopes are high. I have something to complain about, Uh-oh. on Pixar, the, their side, they used to have their short movies for free, you could watch a few of them for free. But now, now you, you can Yeah, you have to go on iTunes to download them. That's not cool. Damn it, Pixar. <laughs> yeah, you think after all the money they make on these amazing movies, that at least you know let us see their short films for free? Actually, Disney makes all the movies. They don't. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like Pixar is this poor group of you know starving guys in a yeah, in a, somebody's attic. They've they've got enough money to to buy milk and cookies. cookies. Yeah, good point. <laughs> but we still love Pixar, even though we have to pay yeah. five bucks to see their shorts. I don't think Pixar could really do anything at this point that would ever make me not love them. Except like a spouse. Except spouse hire Yui Ball as a guest director. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think that's happening anytime soon. Probably hey, not. You never Maybe know. Start a rumor, right? Yeah, that'd be cool. See how far it spreads. Yui Ball directing Pixar's next movie. You heard it. You heard it first from Franklin's mouth. <laughs> no, if you ever, uh, I'm sure if you ever started a thread or a, a rumor like that, you'd be completely, you know, disconnected from the CG community and exiled. Actually, yeah, sent, to Russia, sent to Russia or something. Actually, there was a rumor started um, <laughs> that Yui Ball was going to direct the Hollow movie, and somebody even submitted it to the Internet Movie Database. And I, that think, I think that was just because um, he's directed so many other video game movies. Yeah, and that's pre- that, that rumor that spread. They just, 
they just heard, oh, another video game movie, it must be U Bowl. But <laughs> I think, I mean, the fact that Peter Jackson is producing it, even though I really know nothing about the movie, and for all I know, U Bowl could be directing it, but the fact that Peter Jackson is producing it probably hints at the idea that he's not going to put all of his money into someone like U Bowl. Yeah. Because he's producing it, he is paying for it. So. I hope it's good. It, 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 Halo has a cool story. Bad game, but cool story. Good game and good story, my friend. I have to disagree. <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to buy you some plane tickets so I can come over here and fight you in real life. Yeah, alright. <laughs> we'll see. It's a good game. No, it's tedious and boring. Anyways. <laughs> okay, um let's talk about some compositing techniques. I myself know very little about compositing since I've never actually had to use it for any of my projects. Um, Franklin, can you tell us what is compositing and what it's used for? Okay, uh, well, in theory, compositing is basically just mixing elements from one plate into another, right? So you just um, transfer or composite in a certain element you want from one plate into, um, say, a live-action clip. So what it's mainly used for is taking 3D models or things like that that you've tracked and mixing it in with its live-action counterparts. Sounds easy enough, but what are the common problems we deal with when compositing? Well, there are a range of things that can go wrong, I guess, like bad tracking, like artifacts and stuff like that. Yeah, you gotta love when compositing goes bad. <laughs> you, you guys... No, it's actually, uh, it is quite, I mean, you said it sounds easy enough, but it's Getting not. a good composite together is quite difficult. I mean, I have a ton of respect for the guys working on movies like, you know, yeah. King Kong or Narnia, where it's just absolutely seamless because there is so many elements that go into, you know, you know, there's the tracking and then there's the, you know, going right back to the basics of just getting the CG to, reali to look realistic, and then you got to match the green, and then you got to, you know, key <coughs> key out your whatever blue screen shooting you did and then you gotta mix it all together, you know, do your color correction, do your whatever else you gotta do and it's just a I mean even I'm simplifying it beyond <laughs> beyond human reason, but it's just such a huge yeah, like especially on such a large scale like in movies and stuff. Oh like yeah, exactly. Oh, There's so yeah. much like planning that has to go into a head to like even for yeah, the you one shot. You can't just leave a lot of it up to motion blur and, you know, like fake it and stuff like that. No, I mean, a lot of, like, you know, 10 years ago, a lot of it, well, I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek because, you know, Jurassic Park still holds up today, and that was made, you know, 10 years yeah. ago, but 10 years ago when a lot of the CG was, you know, obviously more noticeable, a lot of it was faked, and you can just imagine, the, you know, the conversation between the directors and the the animators or the, you know, the visual effects supervisors who were like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll just, we'll just blur that out with a little motion blur, you'll never notice. <laughs> but, uh... But nowadays, yeah, where you've got like, you know, well, King Kong is a perfect example, and it's, you know, kind of on everybody's mind at the moment. Where you've got shots yeah. of, you know, Kong just sitting there, not moving at all, and yet it still looks totally believable and realistic, and that just, that just blows my mind. I wouldn't even know where to start on something like that. But wait, what is harder, putting a 3D character into a real-life environment or putting a live actor into a 3D environment? Obviously, uh, well, you know... It, it, I mean, it all depends on the situation. There is no, when it comes to anything that has to do with visual effects, there is no uh, ABC answer, I don't think. 
I think it have to do a lot with the style you're going for. If you're trying to put a real life person into a stylized environment, I think that'd be a lot easier, wouldn't it? Um, like if you yeah, don't want to look once, too real. Once again, it, I mean, it all depends on the situation. There are times when you want a, you know, a live actor in kind of a stylized environment. Like since it. Yeah, that has some great examples of. I mean, a lot of the whole movie was just shot on blue screens and put in CG environments, and even though most of the time you could tell when an environment is CG, it's still, unless you're actually looking for it, it still holds up, and it's and it maintains its its style, you know, these really saturated colors and um, uh, kind of a small color palette. Only red. <laughs> and then you've got other movies like, uh, well, actually, Sky Captain of the World in the World of Tomorrow is another good example of a stylized uh, um <laughs> CG environment with live action characters, but then you've got other movies like uh, uh, Star Wars, where you've got these you know super realistic looking space battle scenes and just mind blowing CG effects with uh, live action characters. So it goes both ways, and I mean just because one is stylized doesn't mean it has it's less work to get it looking good. You can't forget Lord of the Rings. Mean, sorry. You can't forget Lord of the Rings. That was that golden. Is, that is true. Also, there are all, all pile movies. But Other great examples. At the end, on the third movie of Lord of the Rings, I saw they rushed the compositing to get into theaters at, at on time. That was a big letdown. It was it killed the ending of the movie for me because you could see. Funny, I never noticed that. The white yeah. outline on Golem at the end was horrible. Even my mom noticed it, and she yeah. knows nothing in CG. I think I was so like bedazzled by the fact that it was such an amazing movie that. In that, like when it came, like in the first movie, I was kind of like I didn't know what to expect. So yeah, there was I didn't notice any errors, but I was a lot more critical of the movie. But by the third one came around, and it was you know obviously apparent that Peter Jackson is a genius director. When it came to stuff like that, it just it was like over my head. I didn't even notice because I was did, so did you see it on DVD? Did you see it on no, DVD I, in the cinema? I saw all three on opening night in the cinema. But you didn't see that? Maybe it was my cinema that was having a problem. I saw uh, it. Who knows? I mean, sometimes, yeah, bad quality can create but artifacts. I, that... I had to go all the way to Geneva to see it on, like, good theater. And I can't believe that that stuck out so badly at the end of the movie. Could have just been, uh... Anyways, um, Franklin, what kind of mm -hmm. programs, what kind of programs are used for compositing? Have any tips? Oh, um, well, I haven't done too much compositing myself, really, but um, people use a lot of programs like Premiere and... Uh, not Premiere, <laughs> I mean uh, <laughs> After Effects. Uh, After Effects and Combustion. Can you tell, um, speaking of Premiere and After Effects, what's the difference between Premiere and After Effects? Uh, the difference between Premiere and After Effects? Yeah. Okay, um... Well, I'll help you, Franklin. Premiere is basically like an editing suite. Yeah, it's like for just for video editing. Yeah, it has some filters you can add to your your footage, and you can do you know very basic color keys, and whatever, or like you know, mm -hmm. um, uh, transfer like you know image transfer settings. But it overall, it's just meant for editing, whereas. Um, After Effects is kind of the other way around. It's kind of it specializes in all the different filters and um, ways you can key your footage and uh, setting up mats and everything. 
And it does have the editing capabilities, but not to the same extent that Premiere does, obviously. So they're kind of, I mean, they work together, I guess, because you can kind of, you know, comp your footage together in, uh, or put your put your plates and comps together in After Effects and then edit your footage together in Premiere. Mm-hmm. But um, usually, like, personally, I just stick with After Effects completely because it's kind of like the all-round package for, you know, um, for compositing, whereas Premiere is kind of like the, the home user editing suite, so okay. that's kind of the difference. So uh, After Effects is a bit more robust. You can... can yeah, you much more. There's no okay. comparison. Okay, I'll check that out next time. Um, what about tracking? I heard that's a, a hard thing to do in tra- in, in compositing. Um, uh, well, I mean, it all depends. Um, a lot of uh, there are a lot of automated trackers out there, um, like Bojou or whatever, that basically do the entire process for you. If you shot a good plate, if you shot a clean enough plate that the computer can, you know, extrapolate the uh, tracking information without a problem, then really the tracking process is just kind of a write-off. Um, I was kind of actually for the longest time I was confused about how it works, and basically what these um, these automated trackers do is they, they'll run through the footage and they'll compare each frame to the last one and if there's any points that um, basically that the computer can tell that they uh, they stay in the frame over time like let's say you've got a tracking marker on a blue on a blue screen set or whatever so you can add in your you know CG environment after you shoot your your actors each little tracking point that you've placed on the blue screen set um, a program like Bojou will, let's say at frame one, it'll identify these unique points because it can tell, you know, um, it'll just find differences in the image and where the edges are and whatnot. And it'll, and then what it'll do is it'll run through all the frames and um, it'll, based on a threshold, it'll, it'll um, track the position of the of the the points that it's found. Now, some points, obviously, like let's say you're doing a pan a really wide pan. Some points are going to go off the screen or if your footage is noisy or or if you know it accidentally tracks a moving object like a leaf or whatever, some of those objects it'll it'll only track for a few frames cuz it'll realize that um that it's not a a work like a a point that can be used for the final um camera match, yeah. but basically anyway, so it calculates, you know, like let's say you've got some HD footage, it'll calculate maybe 2 or 300 of these points. Um, all automated, you just kind of, I mean, you can do manual settings, but a lot of it you can just do through the wizard, depending on how clean your plate is, and then it'll use the individual point information for each of those points that it's tracked over the frame range to basically calculate the camera move, and it'll just, you know, <coughs> I'm not sure what the exact terminology is, but it'll use those points to determine the parallax, and and it's able to kind of generate a 3D grid from all those points. And then what you can do after that, so after you do that, you can basically get your camera track from that, like, just from that, and then import, you know, your camera move or whatever into your 3D app. Is um, that hard to do, importing it into the 3D app? Um, importing the camera move information? No. Uh, a lot of apps have it all set up okay, um, cool. uh, to take information like that from tracking programs, because obviously a lot of these, because it's so easy to do an automatic track rather than a manual track. A lot of 3D 3D apps already have you know the built-in integration for programs like 
owes you or whatever, so that uh, so that the entire process is made really easy. But um, then you can actually take all those points and all the ones that made it through the entire track, which means they were able to your program was able to track them um, without having any errors, like tracking errors. You can actually take those into your 3D app and and um, import them as a point cloud, and that's really cool because you can set up in your viewports the actual like tracking points that um, that the program found for you. So what you can do with those then is use them to match up your environment or whatever. So for example, as opposed to having to um, you know import your camera move, but then completely have to re you know. Uh, like you know, take uh, camera measurements, whatever, to determine the scale of your scene and whatnot. You can just use that point cloud as kind of like a a measurement uh, marker to um, line up whatever objects you need to um, calculate. To, to, to yeah, to uh, mat into your scene. So let's say you've shot a city, mm -hmm. and you've got some buildings off in the distance that you need. You know, maybe you got a big dragon flying through your city and the dragon kind of goes behind those buildings, so you'll need to put a mat over them. As opposed <laughs> to, you know, taking in your tracking points and having just a camera match and then having to go and actually, you know, manually match up the buildings yourself, you can just use your point cloud as a guide. And I think that, you know, to make a short story long, <laughs> that's, uh, ex that's extremely cool. And, I mean, I've done lots of manual tracking myself using 3C Max's uh, camera tracker okay. utility. And it can be a real pain sometimes just because... Um, it, it can be hard to organize, like even in a, even in a shot that requires maybe a, you know 16 or 20 trackers or somewhere in that number, it can be really difficult to organize all those and get the measurements for each one and then you know match your camera and then debug all the tracking errors errors. So that's where a program like you know Boju or whatever other trackers out there that I can't think of at the moment, if it can do it all for you, then that's super awesome. So that's um that's a big part of of um, compositing because most films nowadays that need CG elements you'll rarely see a CG element composited into a still like locked off camera just because a lot of the times that makes the CG element really obvious okay. and uh, it's harder to tell when something's fake if the camera's you know moving or whatever because when it's locked down, then a lot of people can just imagine, you know, oh, they just, you know, they place that over the image. Where if there's a camera movement, it's like, whoa, how'd they line that up? So, um, tracking is obviously a, a a big part of comping because it's used so often. What makes like and that, that, that concludes okay. my thesis and my dissertation and whatever else. <laughs> I have I have one more question. Like, um, when you're compositing like a live action in front of like a 3D scene, sometimes you can really see the live action person stick out what what is there a way to prevent that horrible effect what do you what do you mean you just like sometimes it I sticks mean, out like a sore thumb is it the well, lighting there's a there's a huge number of factors it's the lighting it's the maybe the blue screen keying maybe you've still got you know you can see the blue edges or whatever or the green edges depending on if you use a blue or a green screen around the person um like major problems like if you're if you're new to keying I mean, a lot of films, these are professional, you know, rotoscopers and keyers and whatnot, so they won't, they obviously won't fall prey to these simple errors, but a lot of the times when you see amateur footage or whatever on something like hair, it's pretty, it can be pretty tricky to, to key out something like, you know, individual hairs because colors are, um, like if you're shooting with like a DV camera, um, the colors can sometimes be 
mixed on like the sub-pixel level, so that's where you tell your compositing app, you know, I want to queue out all the green, and you set a threshold or whatever, it's still not going to get stuff like, you know, really fine edges and whatever, so that's where um, hair can be an issue, lighting can be an issue, or not not just hair, but anything with a fine edge. Can be grain. An issue. Uh, grain, that's another issue, if you don't match the grain correctly, that can totally throw off your whole... Everything can look super real, can be matched perfectly, but if your green isn't right, that can totally throw off your shot. So, I mean, it's not an easy question. It's like asking, what makes a 3D image look bad? You know what I mean? Like, there's <laughs> not going to be, it's not going to be like, you know, one element. It's going to be a whole series of factors that are involved. Although, usually, it's a combination, because if there's one problem, the chances are that there's a, an, a numerous problems uh, are greater. Because usually a lot of these, a lot of these things, once you get into keying and tracking and copying and whatever all those terms are, they become pretty elementary, um, and it just becomes a simple process rather than a big, uh, a big effort. So, well, that was so, very yeah. interesting. <laughs> I get, uh, I'm gonna have to, I don't know, put a piece of tape over my mouth or something because I've no. been talking a lot. No, that's all right. It's pretty cool. You're making the show interesting. It's pretty long. Uh, um, yeah. I think that's about it. I think we should we could conclude. Is that good? Yeah, we've done forty-seven that's minutes. Cool. Uh, let me just read some emails. We got two emails, fan mail. Hey Olivier, I'm an aspiring three D. Uh, this one is from Kareem, by the way. Kareem El Gonemi. I hope I said your name right. Hello Olivier, I'm an aspiring three D animator who is trying to get into the industry. I enjoy listening to your cast and hope you keep pumping out new shows each week, Kareem Elegonami. Well, thanks, Kareem. Thanks for your support. Keep listening. And we have a, an email from Fabrizio Vigano. Hi, I like your CG podcast. Can I use iTunes, I mean, to register to your podcast so I can directly download the new episode? Uh, yes, Fabrizio, you can. We're on iTunes. Just search for CGCast in the podcast section, and you should be able to find it. Um, some final comments. The forecast of CGCast. We have some good stuff planned out. Hopefully a video cast in the future reviewing some stuff, uh, some books, which would be video format. I uh, want to see what your response to the video would be. Next week, I'll have a interview with Bryn Morrow. He went to the Vancouver Film Festival, Vancouver Film School, and he talks about it. He tells us how it was. It's pretty interesting stuff. And we have some other people coming up on the show hopefully soon. And so good times ahead. You guys, Franklin, Tyson, any final comments? Uh, no. Uh, feel free to go to my website at tysonibel.com, T-Y-S-O-N-I-B-E-L-E. Or simply, simply CG. C sorry, simplycg.net for the forums that I run with Cameron's. Um, yes. Of course, his last name eludes me at the moment. James. But, James. Uh, Cameron James. I apologize. That friend. That's Franklin. awful, eh? I, yeah. I partner with him on a forum, and I don't know. Uh, I don't know his, his last name. name. Shameful. <laughs> it's okay. It's late. I'm tired. That's my excuse. You'll forgive me. So yeah, check out those two sites if you have a minute. Some good stuff there. Yes, yes. Check out the photography free sub forums. It's my favorite true. part. True. Apparently, you've posted some work there, Archer. Yeah, I need to go and comment back, but I've been busy <laughs> lately. Franklin, any final comments? Uh, no, nothing much. Just uh, uh, maybe some people should send me fan mail. 
Oh, yes, Franklin wants fan mail. <laughs> Franklin wants fan mail. What's your email, yeah. Franklin? It'd be nice to feel loved. Okay, hold on, let me just find out what Franklin's email is. Franklin D at cgcast.com. Franklin D at cgcast, yeah. Yeah, cgtalk. Okay, so that's about <laughs> it. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it, and good night. Good night. <laughs>